there, hummingbirds. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this, this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. This. This. This is it. You. You are it. You. Me. Are a star seeker in the galaxy, and you have found your way to the planet Gazer. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. We're happy to have you here. I'm Angel Lopez. I am a film producer, a writer, and an astrologer, and a teacher of tarot astrology and all sorts of metaphysical mumbo growth. Jumbo. Uh, Growth exhibitors? Mumbo jumbo. Mumbo jumbo. Mumbo jumbo. Uh, yes, metaphysical mumbo jumbo. I'm Brandon Alter. I'm also a metaphysical mumbo jumboer. I teach uh, astrology and tarot and animist practice. I'm also a writer. And once upon a time, I was a performer. And once upon a future time, I will be a performer again. And we're husbands. Yes. As it turns out. We are married. Yeah. In the eyes of the Lord. Well, in the eyes of the government. No. Well, in the eyes of the Lord. I mean... Lord Noche. Oh, Lord Noche. Noche's our dog, if you didn't know. He's the third. He's the third wheel. Yes. Of this tricycle that we call our family. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, um, yeah. How... Uh, how are you? What's going on? We're uh, going to get into our uh, third episode of our tour through the Houses of Astrology. A series that we are calling Astrology Untucked. Yes. Not uh, stealing any trademarks from anyone. You know, I think podcasts belong to the third house. Oh, that would make sense. So it makes sense that we're doing a podcast about the third house. It's <laughs> yeah. very meta. Very much so. How am I? Um, I am bothered by the world right now. Oy. I'm really bothered by the world. I'm really bothered by all of these like anti-drag, anti-trans bills. It yeah. feels very scary. Feels scary in a way that I almost am having trouble sitting with it and being with it shared a really powerful interview with Laverne Cox talking about the correlation between anti-Semitism and anti-trans and how this was exhibited during the lead up to the Holocaust. And one of the first people that were gotten rid of were the trans people. And, and it just seems that all of us are, our boundaries of what we are willing to accept are being tested. And I just want to mobilize, but I don't know how. I don't know what exactly to do. So I'm just sitting with it, and I am going outside of my comfort zone and being a lot more aware of the news than I usually do because we all have to step up and protect our trans brothers and sisters because as soon as one person's rights get taken away, that is grounds for everyone's rights to be taken away and who really should give a fuck what sort of clothes you wear like the fact that we are literally legislating clothing is insane 
It's fascism. It's a form of fascism. And FYI, you guys, clothes don't have gender. We just decided that they had gender. Well, we didn't even decide. A bunch of idiots did. So it's like, what are we doing? We're, we're legislating against imaginary categories? It's just... So I'm living in that, and I want to be able to do my part. Yeah. Feeling very called to action. We've also got this development that we've just found out about that is wanting to be built like in the back of the canyon close to where we live and it would displace all of this wildlife it's being built on like a 20 year old environmental impact report so it's like totally outdated and we're finding out that like our local city elected officials are like letting this shit happen and we just lost p22 who was this like legendary mountain lion in the greater Los Angeles area. And now all of a sudden I'm like, we're going to build like 200 tract homes up against a canyon that like literally burned down three years ago. Like what's going to happen to the bobcats? What's going to happen to the coyotes? This is insane. Like I'm just like watching in my own backyard, like the willful destruction of our own livelihood. Like when we get rid of the environment, we are essentially getting rid of our opportunity to stay here on this planet. Just, I'm very, I'm just very angry at everyone in power who's doing such a terrible fucking job. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of just like money-driven decisions. Yeah, everybody's in the pocket of like big developers or, you know, big oil or big guns or... Yeah, or big fragile egos too, if we're talking about, you know, the other stuff about rights and uh, issues with the trans community with the drag community like it's all built upon these very unconsciously fragile systems that are in place and mentalities you know yeah well as we talked about last night in our chiron class unprocessed pain shout outs to everyone who was shout at our Chiron out. class oh my gosh such a gorgeous class yeah so much fun thank you all for participating if you're feeling FOMO you can buy the recording <laughs> just reach out yes but we were talking about how unprocessed pain is the prime motivator for people to externalize that pain and cause it in other people and when I look around at all of these people that are making all of these like hateful legislative decisions, I'm seeing so much unprocessed pain. Yeah, they were probably people who on some level did not feel like they could have a sense of power or a sense of ownership or a sense of personal expression. So they then demonized that in other people or when it comes to land grabs or what have you, are finding themselves in some sort of level of power and now just exhibiting it over whoever they can and whatever they can to feed the fragile place in their heart mind. Yeah, it's disconnection. Like yeah. the way you survive with a fuck ton of unprocessed pain is to disconnect from yourself, which leads to disconnection between your environment so yeah speaking of unprocessed pain how's your back i mean i'm processing it yeah <laughs> it's it is pain in process angel right had a now. scary fall last week 
I did. Yeah, it was uh, it was raining here and I was leaving a store and foolishly chose to uh, take the stairs, <laughs> the wet concrete stairs and uh, just completely slipped and took air and landed on my uh, back on the staircase and really like hit the center of my back on the edge of a stair and um and then like felt the bottom of my head hit a stair it was like a whole thing i was like in those first you know anyone who's had that type of accident in the first like 20 seconds you immediately like think oh i can get up as if it's any time you've maybe just like slipped and fall you know fallen and then realizing immediately like whoa waves of pain and dizziness coming over me and um and that immediate like oh fuck what just happened what have i done you know what 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 did i just do to my body um so it's definitely like pretty scary initially but um you know thankfully brandon was near near ish by and was able to come and uh, scoop me up and take me to an urgent care and uh it's really you know they did an x-ray we didn't see anything uh in that uh, but um i'm definitely still dealing with the pain of it and um yeah it's been frustrating but um realizing that it has like been showing up in similar fashion to a back injury I had 22 ish years ago as well. Um, so finding myself like drawing correlation to like that period in my life, um, and trying to kind of get a sense of, what was going on for me then and what is going on for me now and how they connect. And we were also like talking about soul loss earlier today. Um, you know, as you do on an <laughs> odd Wednesday here at the spiritual case. Headquarters. Yeah, yeah. And just connecting some of the uh, pain that I had and just some of the trauma that I experienced from that accident 22 years ago and realizing like oh i probably suffered some form of soul loss then yeah well didn't you lose 15 minutes yeah i lost about 15 minutes just of life that i don't remember i i didn't i don't think i like was unconscious died yeah well i was unconscious oh. though but i wasn't entirely unconscious because witnesses said i like got up and i walked because uh, I was hit by a car and I was flung into the center of the street and witnesses said I like got myself up and walked out from the center of the street into like these bushes near this off the sidewalk and then collapsed there. Don't remember any of that. Um, just remember waking up to a very nice EMT like over me and like raindrops falling on my face because it was starting to rain. Um, so... Uh, but just from the time perspective was kind of told like, oh yeah, this is when it happened. This is where you are now. Uh, so all that to say, yeah, loss of time would on some spiritual level probably equate to a loss of soul fragment, you know, from a shamanic perspective. Um, so we were talking about that today and I had already kind of been thinking about soul loss 
because we uh, were listening had to, to that, that tape, tape that Johnny yeah. Moses had yeah. created. Yes, if you haven't listened to our uh, interview with Johnny Moses from Get to our it. last episode, it what was so phenomenal. What is wrong with you, oh, Jesus? Yeah, and he did this. Be- he on this tape we had, he sang this beautiful song um, that was essentially like a, a vocal healing around soul loss. And I actually like felt a tingling in the places where I had my injuries yeah. from that accident. And then maybe what a week later, I then had this accident. And I'm now like feeling some of those injuries potentially re-traumatized. I don't know. It's just like very weird, just the connection of it. So all that to say, I'm going to have a soul retrieval (laughs) because that's much needed. I think as part of this healing. Are we going to send you to Amanda? Oh, yeah. I think I I need to. Yeah, I think so too. And also just remembering like, um, because yeah, we were talking about that and remembering like, oh yeah, when I had a really bad accident before and that was worse than this but um i really called upon so many healers healers but like alternative healing modalities you know it was really the reiki the acupuncture the you know the things of that the yoga it was things of that nature that actually really got my body through it um not like medications uh so yeah all that to say i it's a good reminder too for me to plug back into the healing practices that i know can work for me yeah and i just want to shout out that it's called medicine path that's the cassette tape of johnny moses's that angel's referring to and i think you can probably find it like used online somewhere if you're if you're interested yeah but anyhow that's us i think yeah that's us <laughs> this is us all right cool so uh before we get into that third house deep dive i think we just want to give you all something playful as we do around these parts and offer you a, a dose, dose of reality, reality. So let's start somewhere fun. Okay. Drag race. I mean, it's somewhere a little snoozy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, not the like greatest season ever. Not the most dynamic cast. No, I would agree to that. But I'm still enjoying the season. Agreed. Yeah. And right now there's like some very clear front runners. Um, Sasha Colby mistress i don't know if i would argue that anitra is like a clear front runner anymore but she and like lucy and lux are kind of like the next level what about marsha 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 i don't think marsha 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 is long (gasps) personally oh you don't think she can go the distance i think she's fantastic i really love her but i just don't know if she has enough variety i think she does i mean i'll i'm down to be proven wrong but i just think she is literally a trained actress and i find that in these competitions the trained actors go really far because they know how to adapt to the challenges at hand 
I know, but then you had her in an interview with Charo and she like couldn't because I couldn't understand what Charo was saying. I mean, that was literally the inability to understand. Yes, but I do think a smarter performer would have found a entertaining way to work with that. And I think she just froze in the lights. Yeah, I don't disagree. But I'm not saying that I'm not a fan of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. The the thing is, I'm actually pretty much a fan of like everyone who's left. I don't have like a major like stake in who ends up in the top. Agreed. I did see this like interesting thing today, though, where somebody was there's like some rumor going around that Sasha Colby is like who they're like secretly grooming to be the next RuPaul. RuPaul. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think people are glomming on to like one quote that Rue made where it was like, have you hosted television before? And she was like, never. And she was like, well, you should, kiddo. You're a natural. And everyone's like, oh, my God, yeah. RuPaul's going to retire and it's going to be Sasha Colby. I personally don't, don't think that. I've always felt like if RuPaul was going to hand it off to somebody, it would be Raven. Yeah, I always thought it would be Raven. Yeah. And I just think Raven, I think that's why they did the makeup show was like a test ground of like how well Raven could host a show. But I also, I don't know, the more I've thought about it too, think they would just end the show. I can't imagine RuPaul's Drag Race would go on without RuPaul. I think it would. Just because because of the money? Because it already has. I mean, there are all these other RuPaul's Drag Race franchises in different parts of the world that do not have RuPaul. Well, they don't, but they don't call it RuPaul's Drag Race. They just call it Drag Race. Yeah, it's just called Drag Race. And so I just think they would have to rebrand it without her, which I, yeah, it's totally doable. I just don't know if I could see her letting them do that. Honey, if the price is right, she'll let them do, <laughs> she will let them do whatever. No, I mean, that's true. Because the thing that RuPaul loves the most. Is money. Oh, I thought it was RuPaul. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's neck and neck. Does she love herself more? Or does she love money more? I think she loves money more. I bet you she has a money replica that has her face on it, and that's the thing she loves the most. Oh, my gosh, like a million-dollar bill with her face on it? Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> Ru money. Yeah. Ru money. In coin we trust. <laughs> totally. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I still think we're still a little bit of a ways away from Rue's retirement retirement yeah but uh not until Cher is a guest judge on the program can RuPaul retire I know you would think did you see this totally off topic did you see that like thing that was going around today too about like Ru- about Cher no what and how friends are concerned because Why? she's like spending like millions of dollars th- uh in this new relationship she's in with this young guy. What is she spending millions of dollars on? Like Traveling. On they're going, yeah, on him, gifts, all types of stuff. Good. She should. I know. That's what, well, it was. She's worked hard enough. She should enjoy herself. Yeah. Jackie Beat, I like posted. It was like a headline and Jackie Beat, uh, who's an amazing drag queen in LA, posted it and was, and basically was like, you know, Cher has worked hard and if at this point in her life she wants to spend millions and millions on the best d she's ever had then she should 100 <laughs> percent. live your life yeah. girl enjoy yourself yeah 
<laughs> like the only person who may be angry about it is Chaz. Well, Chaz is fine. Chaz is fine. Here's hoping. All right, listen. I, I just want to say <laughs> to go back to Drag Race for a yeah. second. I would watch Sasha Colby because the thing that is best about Sasha Colby is because she has been through the fucking ringer and back. She is so comfortable in herself. Yeah. Like more comfortable in herself than any other queen on the show. And that's what you need in order to be a really good host is to be comfortable in yourself because then you can go anywhere. Totally. And that's what she has. Yeah. Well, what I want is the finale season of Drag Race All Stars, where the prize is to host to host <gasps> the new iteration of Drag oh Race. Oh my goddess, that is like the fucking Hunger Games of Drag, and right? I want it. That would be amazing. Yeah, and then you just see who comes out for it, hungry for it. Oh wow, be so good. That would be so good. <laughs> I hope somebody from World of Wonder is listening. Who do you think would compete? Alyssa I'm, Edwards. Alyssa, I mean, of course, she want she would want it in a heartbeat. Shangela. Heartbeat. Eureka. Yes. Probably Monet, even though uh-huh, Monet. I don't think she'll win. Um, and I guess you would put Bob in there too. Though I wonder if they could because of we're here. Latrice Royale. I mean, give it to Latrice. But unfortunately, if you did that, I guess you probably couldn't have Raven compete because she is an employee and Emmy Award winner of the show. That's true. The or she'd have somebody else would have to do RuPaul's makeup and I don't know if she'd want anyone else doing it. <laughs> Not at this point. <laughs> she'd be like, sorry, honey, you can't have the job because I need you to do my makeup. Yeah, exactly. Anyhow. Um, well, you let us know who you think should be the uh Who next should usurp you host. RuPaul? <laughs> Not that anyone is. I mean, you know who's gonna want to is Michelle Visage, but we're not going to watch Michelle Visage's Drag Race. No. <laughs> okay. You know what that is the sound of? A huge ego deflating slowly over time. Oh, dear God. That's what I think of Michelle Visage. Well, speaking of huge egos deflating over time, <laughs> we could talk about uh, some of, uh, of a Real Housewives. You know, we can briefly run through... The season of Potomac that just ended, which honestly was, I mean, basically the end of the season of Potomac was the sound you just made. That was the the season finale. Okay, people don't want to hear the sound anymore, honey. And by people, I mean me. Yeah, I know you hate when I make that sound and I enjoy it so much. I know you do. Weird sounds is an Aquarius thing. Yes. And I am an Aquarius. And you have nothing in Aquarius. I don't. Just a curse. <laughs> uh, no, I'm in midheaven in Aquarius. Oh, well, there you go. So I'm meant to make my mark on the world. They're making an, weird sounds. In an Aquarian way. So, um, yeah. So quickly, the the winners of Potomac. Candace. Candace, the big winner. Wendy. Wendy. Though, I mean, she was a winner by default. Yes. Because she was on the right side. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I think anyone else came out of this season in a winning way. No. I feel like, for me, ultimately, like, Karen was kind of neutral. Very neutral. Uh, But 
it's a bit of a uh, a bit of a big race as to who I decide uh, would have the photo finish win for worst performance worst performance this season. I mean, Giselle's performance was so heinous because she literally just decided to ruin somebody with a lie for no reason. Yeah. But Robin's performance was equally dismal because she decided to literally hide her real life from from the cameras. Yeah. And Mia's performance was terrible because Mia is terrible. Unprocessed pain. Yeah, and just kind of trashed her best friend. Her best friend. I can't even imagine bringing your best friend on a show just to like blow it all up. It's just so disgusting. That's also like, you know, it's these like real relationships falling apart that make me very uncomfortable. You know, like that's why I resisted watching Jersey for so long is because I didn't want to see a family being torn apart. Turns out we can't stop. (laughs) It's so fun. Um, But yeah, and then Ashley's not even worth mentioning. Who? Exactly. Um, And then we are basically at the end of the Real Housewives of Miami that we still have the reunion to go. Oh, my God. And that's been such a a change. It's it's really just shifted. A common theme for me in this recent season of Housewives is that the Housewives who I started the season really loving slid all the way down to the bottom of the pile. Right. And the housewives that I was like not as huge of a fan of, like really like rose to the top. Like this is true in like Potomac. I thought Wendy started the season a snooze fest and she slowly grew over time. And then in Miami, like Marisol, it was one of my like all time favorite housewives. And this season she just showed what like a vile, sad, desperate, alcoholic, mean girl she is. Like grow up. Deal with yourself. Well, it's because you found a replacement for her in Dolores Catania. Oh, my goddess. I have decided that truly the housewife of all housewives that I would like want to be friends with, just like get a meal with, just like get a birthday cameo from is Dolores Catania. I thought it was Meredith Marks. Oh, well, I want to be friends with Meredith Marks because it would be fun, I think. But I, but I think like if you gave me a wand and said like you can have one meal with one housewife, it'd be Dolores Catania. Because she just has a heart that shines and I just want to be in the presence of that heart. It's like you can like the love that she has for the people that she loves is so pure. It's like being dipped in honey and I just want to be in in that presence. No, I get it. Not to mention she is so fucking gorgeous, like her beauty, but it shines from within because she has a good heart. Yeah. Dolores Catania for president. (laughs) <laughs> Except I honestly, I don't know her politics and I probably wouldn't love her as much if I knew him. So do not, yeah. do not vote for Dolores Catania for any sort of public office. <laughs> I'm trying to think who I would want to have dinner with. Yeah, you get one meal and they pick up the check. Oh, well, the, the housewife that had come to mind was Sonia Morgan. But I don't know if she could pay the check. <laughs> that is so shady. Yes, she can. She's got that new show with Luann. Oh, my God. Yes. I would love to just spend an evening, like dinner and a show with Sonia Morgan. I mean, I you would two would so, get along so well. I think we would get along so You just like talk so astrology well. and tarot and like share notes from the healers that you've seen. And Oh yeah, she'd tell me the stories of when she used to hang out with Madonna and oh John John. Goodness. It'd be totally. great. It'd I would be, be there for it. I'd be like, I'd be like, Sonia, reenact to the Morgan Letters moment, and she'd do it in a heartbeat. She'd love it. Okay, who is the housewife that, like, it, it? literally your seventh circle of hell is having to spend a day with this housewife? Like, it's, like, nails on a chalkboard. Who is the one housewife that you would, like, rather 
get a colonoscopy than have to spend a day with them. I feel like I need to make it like a one who's actually a current housewife because I had a couple names come into mind, but they're no longer housewives. So I it. feel like no, it doesn't really work. Ooh. Well, Ramona Singer was obviously the first person that came to mind. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, she's not in. And I was like, and I've already chosen New York, so I should go somewhere else. So then I went to Beverly Hills in my head and was like, ugh. Like, Yoicha? No, Teddy Mellencamp. Oh, God. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, if I had to like spend an hour with Teddy Mellencamp, I'd probably. You'd, I'd, yeah, I'd fall apart. But neither of them are current. So if I if there was a current housewife, because I like like having the you know container of that, um, that I would have you know that would be really hard for me to spend an evening with. No, a whole day. A whole day. It's a whole day, because that changes things, right? Because like somebody who like you're like oh yeah like you know, an hour with Daniel Staub might be amusing, but all day with Daniel Staub would just be annihilating. Oh, that's such a good question. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you're making it too hard by by making it be a current housewife. Okay, it's just well, then I've already answered it. Then. Yeah. Then I've already answered. Who would yours be? You know, I was like running through a bunch, but as soon as you said Teddy Mellencamp, I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. That's That's the worst of the worst. But, I mean, Ramona, and also, honestly, Dorinda. Like, Dorinda's energy is so fucking dark. I just don't think I could spend all day with it unless I was blackout drunk. And then maybe that would be fun. But then I would like wake up the next morning having regret a lot of decisions. Oh, I actually think that would be the worst. I actually think Dorinda would be more fun sober. Like, if you're like in the Berkshires and she's like taking you to like the best spa and like, Oh, and I'm going to take you on like an apple picking excursion. You think she's not drinking during those activities. No, but I don't think she's blackout drunk. I think it's when she then is like taking you to dinner and had like her 17th martini and then starts like yelling at the maitre d' because they didn't like get her dessert, the right dessert that she likes. And then you're like, Dorinda, stop. And then she's like pointing her finger at you. Don't with you that tell night. me what to do. Yeah. Then I'd be like, oh, no. But that's the end of the night, I guess. By then you're like, all right, well, I just have to get through the check and then I get to go home. Yeah. All right. I also think a day with Lisa Rinna would be a challenge. <laughs> and I'll end it there. Uh, I'd be fine. I actually think Dorit would be harder. Yeah, you'd run out of conversation topics. That's pretty what quickly. I was thinking. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you would just. But there's only what? so much talking about her you could do. But maybe if there was shopping involved, then it'd be fun because she probably would like want to show off and just buy you things. Maybe, but I also think like Dorit's really good at just like monologuing, and I think she could probably just like you just have to just you know not fall asleep. She would do all the talking. All right, last housewives related question. Okay, I'm sure if anyone's listening, they've already fast forwarded. The people that are listening right now are in are in it. Are in it. Yeah. If you could have one housewife uh-huh. on this show, on the spiritual gaze, on the spiritual gaze, like to an have interview, a like a spirit with, talk with a housewife. Yes. Who would that person be? Oh my goddess. This is a very good question. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And my answer is Dolores Catania. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's a good one. Do you think she's spiritual in any way? Not that that would matter because you would, if Dolores Catania, if we had the offer to bring her on the show, we'd bring her on and just talk about whatever. But do you, I bet you she has some spirituality I think so. I mean, just the way that like she loves animals and that amazing episode of a couple seasons ago of Jersey that we just watched where like they all have the psychic and that psychic was amazing. Mm -hmm. And Dolores is very open to it. Like I think even though she would be a hard interview because she like keeps everything very like close, you know, to her chest. Just honestly, whatever it takes for me to get to spend some time with Dolores Catania. <laughs> like, I don't really care. Like, I'll <laughs> I'll pretend to, like, be a manicurist if it means I can just, like, hang out with an inner presence to her damn nails. Uh, that's so funny. What about you? Oh, well, I won't say Sonia because I've already spent the night with her. Um, but again, I'd love to talk astrology with her. But if I was going to have get to interview one... Honestly, I would Candace. Hmm. Candace would give great interview. It would just be so funny. Funny. Yeah, it would be great. I want to like be in the presence of her wit. Yeah. Like I want to watch I want to be like present to it in action. Yeah, that would be amazing. Like just one of the like brightest and funniest. Totally. Yeah. Um people and i feel like it would be interesting to and i feel like she would talk about the like the like the soulful ramifications of being on a show as well as also like yeah just like she would talk about it from all angles yeah and she's honest like she would just like come out with with it yeah i mean my answer is not great because i'm not really thinking of like what would be best for you dear listeners i'm just thinking selfishly from myself so if i was thinking like what would be a really who would give a good interview i think garcelle would also be a really definitely good interview yeah well look if we were still thinking about the listeners we would have stopped talking about this (laughs) 10 minutes ago (laughs) sorry um to all of our dose of reality fans out there you're welcome. Yeah. All right, we should get into our <laughs> Lindsay Sweetnam. We're talking to you, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shawnee and Lindsay. All right, Salita. Salita's still with us. Yes. All right. Well, let's leave the housewives behind. Even though I could make an argument for the housewives being connected to the third house, and let's head into this episode's deep, deep dive. dive. All right, so we're continuing our series on the astrological houses. Quick shout out, starting next week and the following week, we are doing a two-week workshop about the houses. So if you have been enjoying this and you don't want to wait a whole year to get through all 12 houses. I don't want to wait for the houses to to be over. I want to know right now what does it mean to have my son in the 12th house. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But, and also like... We are going to go into more depth and there's going to be things that we teach in the class that we're not going to get into on the podcast because that's just the nature of a classroom setting versus a podcast setting. But it's happening. So think about joining us. Uh, It's next week, Tuesday, houses one through six and then houses seven through 12 the following. And we're also going to talk more about the angles, the ascendant and the descendant and the midheaven and the IC and and the the angles of of the of the chart. Who said that? Who said what? Then we're going to talk about all that. I did. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I said it right now. All right. Well, we better get going. 
But today, we are just going to talk about the third house. Do you have any planets in the third house? I do. Me too. Not. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, yeah, because your third house is ruled. Yeah, yeah, since you're in Aries rising, it's actually ruled by its traditional ruler, Gemini. hey Whereas mine is ruled by Cancer. Yeah. Rude. That's you're just you, uncomfortable there. No, it's just, that's why you keep secrets. That's why you keep secrets in your communication. I don't keep secrets. You wouldn't even reveal the name of the store that you had your fall at because you can't help but be secretive about the, the way you communicate. No, I just didn't think it mattered. It does matter. It was a target, everybody. It was a target. It really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, not the star of the story. Um, but uh, those details—they <laughs> make a difference. Everybody knows. Everybody knows those stairs at Target are fucking death trap. Oh yes. Um, but uh, the third house is like we just said, traditionally ruled by Gemini. So it traditionally rules all of those Gemini things, communication, the mind, language, but then also like things in our immediate environment, neighborhood, uh, it rules siblings. Yeah, it rules information Mm -hmm. and like your weekly magazine or the website you go to every day, um, like Things of regular nature, like your commute or your errands, um, short trips. Traditionally, um, the moon is actually considered to be the ruling planet of the third house, uh, and it's considered the house of the goddess. And if we think about the moon and the way that the moon is kind of always changing phases, these sorts of like short trips and things of that nature kind of connect us to, to the moon in the third house. But I really like to think about uh, the third house as the end of the first quadrant of the you know of the entire chart. Yes, and if you think about it that from that perspective, then you find that houses one through three are really interested in like self development. Yeah, you know, it's like you're considering like you know we come out of the womb. Um, into existence at the horizon line there into the first house and find ourselves um, just in consciousness, right? Um, Understanding, oh, who am I? And then we move closer more into form in the second house, Mm -hmm. you know, with Taurus energy. And then we form thought. Yeah. Idea. Yeah, the third house is a place where our identity starts to crystallize. Yeah, where we can bring language to it. And by the time we get to the end of the third house and the beginning of the fourth house, that IC line, that bridge between the two, is what we consider the seat of the soul. And we'll talk more about that in our next episode. But I think the third house is the place where we start to really be able to articulate and understand the true nature of ourself from within ourself. Because the first house is like how we present. It's how like we're meeting the world. And the second house isn't really about us. I mean, it's about our value, but also what we value. And the third house is then when we internalize all of that. And having walked that inward road, we're able to understand our inner workings a little bit better. So, you know, the sign that rules your third house can maybe be the style of communication that you have. But it can also describe like the landscape of your mind. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really important piece about the third house is to know that it helps define your mind. 
and yeah. how your mind works and how you can then step back from yourself as a mental creature and have greater under deeper understanding of oh that is generally how my mind operates yeah and you always will want to look to where you have the ruling planet of whatever sign is on your third house to kind of help you better understand it. so like for me it is gemini like gemini is my third house so it answers to mercury and aquarius so it's a it's a kooky conspiracy theory mind um but also i think it's really interesting that like how you do anything third house related is informed by the sign that's on the third house so like commutes are very third house and i am always on the phone talking like that right. is like I'm rolling calls, you know, because it's Gemini. I thought that was very funny. And as you mentioned, the third house is about siblings, but also people who feel like siblings. Right. So if you say like, oh, this is my sister from another mister, or my brother from another mother, or my kin from another win, then that's also third house people. Right. Exactly. And it might uh, describe your relationships with your siblings, perhaps. Yeah, it's really like the first relationship house, right? Like the seventh house is really that house of deeper interpersonal relationships. But the third house is where you begin to learn how to be in relationship, which is why it rules siblings, because siblings are on some level the first peers yeah. you learn to be in relationship with. And I think it's also like people that you don't necessarily get to choose to be in relationship with. Like you didn't choose your siblings unless you want to like go on a deep dive down into Carmentown. Right. Yeah. You didn't choose your neighbors. You didn't choose like who runs the laundromat, you know, or right. your favorite sushi restaurant in the neighborhood. Like these are just the people that show up. Your mailman, you know, like this is just how you relate to those people that populate your everyday life. Right. And something I was just thinking about, um, earlier and thinking about the third house just in that uh realm of what i was talking about with like the first through third house being like self-development mm -hmm. you know is that i do think it's like and maybe this is indicative of like the end of the third house and getting into that soulful place did you have like a moment in your own like personal growth awakening where you realize that like you are not your thoughts. Cause right. I feel like that's like a very, wait, what do, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I was like, I'm not, <laughs> Oh no. I'm not, you mean I'm not, I'm, the voice in my head isn't, isn't the truth. No. <laughs> so we're going to end now because Brandon's having a personal crisis. Uh, you know, I don't remember when I realized that you don't have to believe everything you think, but that is definitely something I'm always aware of. Yeah, I feel like for me, that was like a big aha moment of, oh shit, this voice, I'm not my voice. I'm not just these thoughts. Like, you know, when I learned about meditation, obviously that was like my introduction to that of like oh yeah there's a you that exists underneath these thoughts and you can be have an awareness that is aware of your thoughts yeah um which i just didn't have when i was younger and it feels like that is such a like awakening that takes you into like a deeper realm of 
existence. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like meditation, journaling. These are very like third house practices, especially if you do them with any sort of regularity. Because even like when you journal, usually what you come to understand is that you are not everything that you're you're thinking as well. Like once you write it yeah. out, you're like, oh, that's a that's very damaging and terrible. That's not real at all. Yeah, and if we just you know step back for a minute and look at like the entire journey of the house system from one to twelve, in a way, it's like a journey from identity to soul, right? Hmm. It's like you from self to soul, from self to soul. So it on some level becomes like a this is who I am. This is what makes me. But it feels like there are still points along the way that remind you. But you're also more than this. You know, that's so interesting, actually, to think of the whole Zodiac as this process of accumulating identity. Because, like, in the first house, you're like, this is me, bitch. Like, get used to it. And you're like, oh, but this is, like, this is all the luggage that I bring with me in the second house. And you're like, and this is all of, like, the thoughts that I bring with me. But then in the fourth house, you're like, oh, wait, but this is, like, all of, like, my ancestors that I bring with me. And it's like, yeah. and by the time you get to the twelfth house, you're like, oh, right, I... I am everything. Exactly. We're going to write an astrology book called From Self to Soul. From Self to Soul. So it's helpful to look at the planets, if you have any, in your third house to really show what um, is potent for you in that energy of thought idea mentality yeah these might be like planetary energies that you are like always having conversation with like in the same way that in like the cartoons there's like the devil and the angel on the shoulder like if you have Mm -hmm. a couple of planets in the third house you might have a couple of like a whole cast of characters right so should we put some planets in places of the third house yeah let's plug a planet into the place of the third house and talk about what that can what that can mean how that can help you understand how you talk to yourself and maybe even talk to others well, do you want to talk about my moon in the third house? Because I love to talk about my moon in the third house. Can you guess why? No. Because it's in the third house. Oh, right. It was staring me in the face this whole time. Yeah. Well, I think you do like to talk about your moon, but I think you actually like to write about it more because that Cancer moon is a little secretive. It does kind of hold up a wall. And I do think sometimes you don't talk about your feelings, but you do write about them or you um, are thinking about them, like you're processing your emotions. Wow. So suddenly this has become a therapy session with no therapist. Well, to be fair. A couple's counseling with no couple. Noche does have a certification. (laughs) Yeah, from the doggy school of psychotherapy yeah yeah the young institute has a dog therapist program that noche went through he's asleep oh you know what i should say though is that the third house is about education oh it's about like primary education so the education that you didn't really have a choice over so like you know your elementary school your high school i think the ninth house is secondary education like education that you chose to like quest for knowledge but the third house can speak to you know the experience of elementary school or or you know high school to some extent mm-hmm. sorry noche's education just made me think about that <laughs> no it's a good thing to to plug in there too 
But not to throw shade at you in this couples counseling session with no couples counselor, I do think a moon in the third house is somebody who generally does want to talk about their feelings. Yeah. No, I think they are someone who likes to have emotional-based conversation. Yes. And I think that that is definitely very much me. Like, I like to... Um, talk from an emotion-based place. No, it's true. You talk from the heart. Yeah. And I talk from a Mercury and Aquarius, and I talk from the mind. I talk like big picture, which frustrates the hell out of you when you just like want to talk about how you're feeling. Yeah. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and see, look at how successful I am as a couple's counselor without a couple's counseling license in this moment. Yeah, I'll leave you a fine Yelp review later. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, are reviews a third house thing? I don't know. That's a good question. I think a 10th house thing. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like it makes sense as a third house. Opinions. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I do think a moon in the third house is someone who really does like process emotions through thought. You know, they process it through reading even. You know, like I'm someone who really likes to read a self-help book. Well, I was going to say I like to read memoirs Oh, because um, I really enjoy like hearing about other people's internal processes and like what they were feeling in moments of their lives. Like that's really interesting to me. Hence probably why I like interviewing people. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like hearing about the process. Hence probably why I want to have like a radio show. A call-in show. Yeah, because I like the idea of like, you know, direct communication with people. Communication with people, but like heartfelt communication. Okay, but what if your son is in the third house? Well, we know the son is all about identity, right? How we identify. So you say. (laughs) Oh, that I know. So you say. So I think that we are like you. We over-identify with our thoughts, with our words, and we don't even realize that we are not our words, our thoughts, our ideas. What? (laughs) I was just calling back to earlier when I asked you the question about... I'm not? (laughs) I'm not my words and my thoughts? Said the third house son. I'm not a third house son. Well, if you had a third house Leo son, you may... But I I don't. Over-identify with your thoughts. Oh, shit. What? But the ruling planet of my third house, Mercury, she's conjunct my son. I rest my case. Who said that? (laughs) All right. What if you have Venus in your third house? Then you have a beautiful mind. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) You're foolish. (laughs) Oh, I'm just thinking of how much I love Jennifer Connelly. Does she have Venus in the third house? No, she was in a beautiful mind. She won an Oscar for it. Oh, sure. And she's gorgeous. Yes. Well, yeah, I think Venus in the third house brings a particular aesthetic style to communication. Mm-hmm. So it might be poetry. It might be loving to send like cute little cards in the mail. It might just be that, you know, the way in which you communicate is facilitated with other people. Like you need another person to kind of hold space for you. You can't be in the third house by yourself. Yeah. And it may literally be a beautiful voice. True. Right. 
Yeah, like Jennifer Connelly. Like Jennifer Connelly. Is it a beautiful voice? I mean... I can't really hear it right now in my head. It's lovely enough. It's not like... <laughs> I don't know if that's a Venus in the third house voice. No, it's right Mars in the third house. <laughs> but it's a great voice it, nonetheless. It's an amazing voice. <laughs> if you do not know who I am, I am Shoryagadashlu and I'm worth your looking up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess on some level too, it's perhaps making money through your thoughts, oh, through your opinions. Oh, yeah, so totally. perhaps a critic yeah. would have a third house Venus. A columnist like Carrie Bradshaw? Yes, her Venus is probably in the third house. Conjunct her son. A podcaster who mm-hmm. actually makes money for doing it. Right. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> we wouldn't know because we don't have Venus in the third house, yo. No, we don't. Uh, all right. What about, did we say, we already said Mercury, obviously. I don't think we did, I don't think actually, we did say Mercury in the third house. If you house. have Mercury in the third house, then you are a communicator, Hanny. Yeah. But you also probably have a very active, if not overactive mind. And so you are somebody that, unless, you know, the sign is like a really grounded, like earth sign, like Capricorn, um, or potentially Taurus, like you're going to, you're, going to be prone to your mind running away with you and so practices that still the mind that um, create a container for the mind are going to be really beneficial to you but you also have a very agile mind and you're probably able to see you know different sides of a situation and you're probably very quick um, not unlike Candace you know right but yeah writer lecturer um, thought leader (laughs) thought leader yes thought provoker um but it does also make me think too of uh important to pay attention to any aspects you may have to planets in there too because you know you may have an a mercury in that third house that has that natural inclination but then perhaps it has a square to saturn which then creates challenge to actually expressing that natural inclination or perhaps Uranus, which adds a sense of chaos to that mental agility. A Miss Frizzle quality to your Mercury, if you will. Miss Frizzle? Miss Frizzle. Who's that? She was that, like, there was a whole children's book series about Miss Frizzle, and she had, like, crazy red hair, and she, like, had a magical school bus that, like, took children to, like, wild places. Oh, yeah. It's very Uranian. The magic school bus. Oh, am I conflating? Well, maybe. I think it was called the Magic School Bus, but maybe the driver or the teacher was Miss Frizzle. I don't know because I think it was a little, I'm a l- little older than the Magic School Bus. Did you know that Miss Frizzle is an Aquarius on the cover of the Magic School Bus, the complete series by Scholastic, is wearing a dress that has like planets and rockets and like space and shit. So then she probably was an Aquarius. You know what? This bitch was an Aquarius. <laughs> well, she was ruled by Uranus. What can you do? What can you do? She kind of looks like Jinx Monsoon. Can we get a live action Miss Frizzle remake starring Jinx Monsoon, please? This is an example of Uranus in the third house, everybody. Exactly. This line of reasoning. Yeah, let's skip to Uranus in the third house because Uranus would want us to skip out of order to yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, innovation, but also chaos. Rebellion. She's a rebellious mind. A paradigm breaker. Yeah. Like, is not going to want to do things the way 
that everyone else says you should. Also, a lightning rod for inspiration. Definitely somebody who needs to walk around with a pad of paper so they can capture those inspirations when they come through. Totally. It's an ex- that's an exciting placement. You know, potentially challenging because, yeah, it feels a little scattered, right? So uh, in need of focused practices. Yeah. Jupiter in the third. An appetite for information. So many thoughts. Yeah. So many ideas. So little time. I'm so hungry to to understand. Yeah. Saturn, no thoughts. <laughs> Dead in the head. No communication. <laughs> A wasteland. No, not at all. Actually, a very structured idea maker. Yeah, and actually maybe your work, you know, because Saturn is our work, is about using your mind, you know. Maybe you are a teacher, you know, yeah. or, or a writer of several books. Yeah, someone who can actually who can write and actually, like, have the discipline <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I read a quote recently from a writer who said, I don't believe in writer's block because I believe in just sitting down and putting your fingers on the keyboard and making something happen on the page. And I was like, well, how nice for you. Oh, I know. And that's very Saturn in the third house, right? It's like we control the destiny of our mind and and what we produce through language. Yeah. But perhaps showed up initially as this like restriction around it, right? This like, I don't have faith in my thoughts or... You know, trust in my ideas um, or I'm afraid of my ideas, you know, afraid of how I think, you know, maybe there are dark thoughts that occur and it's like, oh, I'm afraid of that. So I'm just not going to like think about anything, you know, I'm going to try my best to just like keep those things out of my head, you know, and ultimately like if you allow yourself to take responsibility for how your mind wants to work, it can actually help you create some really powerful things. Neptune in the third. A mind that works like moving pictures. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like Neptune in the third are those people who don't have an active voice in their head. And maybe Which they shocked have... me that people don't. Yeah. Shocked me to learn that sometimes Neptune is the planet that's the farthest out in our solar system. (laughs) This is something we learned in preparing for the Chiron class is that because Pluto has like a really elliptical, meaning like an oval-shaped orbit, that there's a period, you know, of like between 10 and 20 years in Pluto's, you know, long orbit cycle where it is actually closer to the sun than Neptune is. And Neptune is actually the furthest planet out, which blew my mind, but also makes so much sense about Neptune as this way of connecting with the great beyond because it literally... Mm -hmm becomes the last planet it becomes part of that vast um you know galactic darkness the outer edges of our solar system right so all of that neptunian energy in the third house can be prophetic thoughts yes can be someone who is able to kind of channel information but it also might just be kind of like a dreamy, soft voice, mm, very mm-hmm. Neptunian voice. But also, because Neptune is sometimes delusion and and illusion, it also might be difficult sometimes to discern like w- what is true. Right. Um. There could be a lot of like wishful thinking or fantasy thinking that happens. Yeah. Exactly. So finding good uses for the for that is helpful. Uh, Mars in the third. 
Shorty Agadashlu. <laughs> yes. A voice like nails and honey. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, Mars and Third is someone who I think is just very like active off their ideas. Yeah, it's an aggressive mind. It's also somebody who maybe speaks in a way that is uh, combative. Yes. You know, that style of communication can be a little warlike. I didn't know you had Mars in the third. Can house. be competitive and combative. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, I, yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, but it feels like there's like a, such an Aries-like quality to that, right? Of like, have the thought, let's do it. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. The way you take action is through creating a, a plan. And as soon as you have the plan or as soon as you have the thought, you create the plan and you do it. Yeah. But I think also just to some of the other stuff we talked about, like, you know, third house being the neighborhood, you know, it's probably someone who's like active in their immediate community. Totally. Volunteering. Like if you've got Mars and Aquarius in the third house, you're like, let's mobilize. I actually need you to help me with this stupid candy. Right, exactly. Development. Please reach help out. me. Yeah. Reach out. Even if you're just having a Mars transit through your third house. And we should mention, actually, this is probably a good place with the exception of Pluto, because we haven't talked about Pluto yet. But, um, you know, when you have planets transiting through your third house, they're going to influence your mind. So if, for example, you have Pisces in your third house, Saturn moving into Pisces for the next two and a half, three years is going to add that sort of Saturnian quality to the way in which you relate to yourself. Mm -hmm. Or if you have Aries or Taurus that, you know, Jupiter's moving through this year in the third house, then Jupiter is going to kind of bring that like expansion of knowledge and wanting to talk and communicate in ways that maybe you aren't used to being so verbose. How would you crystallize it having had the Mars retrograde moving through your third house for the last six months? I would crystallize it as agony. <laughs> huh? Now nah, we said it. A lot of backtracking, having to rethink things in order to move forwards. Uh, a reprioritizing has definitely right. been something that's happened for me in the last six months or so. Saying things you regret later. I haven't done it yet. Well, I've kept a list. I'll share it with you. <laughs> you know us, Aries Rising. We, uh, <laughs> even when we're wrong, we don't feel like we were wrong. <laughs> we just barrel ahead. Yeah, well. Always trying to outrun the consequences of our mistakes. Let's bring it to the runway. Runway. Run, run, run. Runway. All right, Pluto. Who? In the third yeah. house. Girl, that's an intense mind. So intense. It's a powerful mind. Yeah. You know, it's it's a mind that really wants to assert its power. This can sometimes be very dogmatic. And so you might need to be careful that you don't close the door on other potentialities or possibilities. But this is also somebody whose words can bring a tremendous influence into the world. Perhaps not a person who enjoys frivolous conversation, probably is speed speeding through our dose of reality, unless you are like a housewife scholar who attended the Shawneeman's School of Housewivery, then perhaps you are very interested because you have a deep interest in it. Yeah, I mean, look, the third house is a house of gossip. So if you are somebody who understands the power of gossip, maybe you do have Pluto there. Right. But they're usually, you know, interested in like conversations of depth.
The housewives aren't deep. I know. Oh. Oh no no no. Oh. We're basic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it's taken me almost five years to make that sound on the air. I'm I'm so sad it took this long. And I'll never do it again. Would you rather this sound every episode or my Australian accent? Oh, I would rather your Australian accent. Ah, darling, that is great tonight. Yes. I think the uh, listeners would agree. <laughs> Are you at all curious what that sound would sound like in my Australian accent? Sure. Huh. <laughs> this is the same. <laughs> this is the same. Should we take a trip to Australia this year? Wait, really? Yeah. And go say a Luru Rook? Oh my gosh. Should that be our big trip? Should we take a big trip to Australia? Oh my God. I don't know. Maybe we should. Oh my God. Should we get on Qantas? I think <laughs> why we get that. <laughs> Darling, that was absolutely the worst Australian accent I've ever heard in my entire life. Look, I can't do accents to save my life. Oh, you know, that's actually very interesting though, just in talking about the third house. Hmm. What, the house of accents? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be curious to know like to read people who do accents like for a living and see if they have third house placements like Jimmy Fallon yeah does like a lot of really great accents uh, and accents impressions. and impressions yeah. I wonder if there's like a third house yeah. quality to that or a ninth house per- perhaps which right. you know Spoiler alert, the ninth house has a lot of these significations as well, but it's more like the third house is, is all of the personal stuff, and the ninth house kind of takes it more out into the world um, in terms of teaching and learning and things of that nature. Right. It could be a fifth house thing too, right? Just like a creative, if it's like a Mercury. Mercury yeah, in Gemini in the fifth house. Yeah. Dowling and doing accents left and right. Conjunct like Neptune or Uranus or... Are you in Venus? Because you're making Venus. money doing it. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Venus. All right, well, this will be a private study that we do. If anyone has, uh, you know, uh, inclination toward accents or impressions, reach out to us and let us know what placements you have that could potentially offer that. And also, if you're in Australia and you listen and you think we should come, let us know. Yeah, we have half a million Marriott points (laughs) that my mom left us that we have to use before they expire. Yeah, we have like a bunch of points and we're like, let's just use the points finally. Life is short, have fun. Yes. So we're going to take a big trip this year on points. So if you have somewhere special, you think the spiritual gaze should come because you want to host a big event for us. Oh my gosh. That'd be so fun. Uh, But anyhow, well, I feel like that was a sufficient... uh, run through the uh, third house i feel like each of these episodes is very much inspired by the house that we're talking about and this episode was a fucking hot ass mess and (laughs) that is in some ways the third house she was a very talkative one she was chatty and she was playful and she was fun yes next uh we know we'll be covering the fourth house next so she'll be very private she'll be very emotional She'll talk a lot about the past. She'll be hidden. So it'll never come out. (laughs) All right, let's bring this episode in for a landing with a tarot card pull. So just take a moment and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. 
Just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. We're just asking for one card to assist us with the energies that we are all under the influence of until we meet again. What do we need to know? Tell me what I need to know. Can I pick it? You can. Oh, Jesus. But also, oh, goddess. Well, I have to say, it's not my favorite card in the deck, but it really does connect us to the third house because Angel has pulled for us the Nine of Swords. And the Nine of Swords is really about facing our fears that show up in the dark of our mind. And I'm actually thinking back to what I was talking about at the beginning of this episode in terms of moving through my own fear based on what I'm seeing happen in the United States around all of these drag bans and all of these anti-trans bills and the lack of gender-affirming care. And the Nine of Swords is our up-leveling of our relationship to our mind when we're willing to move through the fear to get to what's on the other side of it. And it is the Drama Queen card. And we can all be a drama queen in our own mind when we suffer over our suffering instead of picking up our power and figuring out what we can do and moving on. And it came in direct. So I will say with Saturn moving into Pisces, there can be a lot of generalized anxiety. There can be fear that doesn't necessarily seem to have a root that can be articulated. And the best thing that we can do is to face that fear, to be there for it, almost as if it were a visitor. Maybe it's a visitor in a scary mask, but it's okay. Figure out how to unmask that visitor. And they've got some really great lipstick on. Maybe lipstick you'd want to borrow. Maybe some really, really beautiful eyelashes. And the thing that the Nine of Swords, I think, is trying to teach us in terms of nines being a graduation and swords being about our mental capacity is that the mind can only take us so far. And that when we only use the mind to move us forwards in our life, we are going to reach limitations. And so our ego is going to try to take care of us by, you know, imagining worst case scenarios and showing us the things that we need to be afraid of so that maybe we survive. But that's also a very limited view of the world. And so I would just start to notice for yourself until we meet again, where is fear starting to become the driving force in your life? And how can you shift away from that? There are so many other forces that are more powerful than fear. But, you know, fear is definitely something that's being sold out there in the marketplace, left, right, and center. So start to become aware of it. Start to become aware of the fear-based communication and the fear-based languaging and the fear-based thoughts that are shifting you, you know. And, and you will, unlike this figure... In the Nine of Swords, who is awake, clutching their pearls in bed at night, you will get a good night's sleep. I also just uh, remembered that the astrology related to the Nine of Swords is Mars and Gemini. So interesting to think about these last six months coming to an end. Of agony that I've been having? Yeah. Right. But that we've learned something. Yeah. And 
I don't know, something that I had been thinking about already about Mars and Gemini is like when it started moving and we got ideas, right, that we wanted to act on, were they so exciting? Were they so interesting? Were they pushing us to a point in our creativity that was thrilling that they brought up fear that the the retrograde allowed us to sit in and fester in and get lost in a fear soup right that we now have had to reconnect to those original ideas plans knowing what we've known now eliminating the fear from them so that we can move forward on them so it's just like interesting hearing what you were saying about that card too it really resonates with just that idea around the mars and gemini journey we've been on that ends very soon like in two weeks hallelujah praise the goddess and hallelujah praise you praise you Thanks for uh, listening to us rattle on about the third house and housewives and, and Marsha, 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 and just ourselves. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, if you want to engage with us in any way, you can find us at thespiritualgaze.com. There uh, you can find out how to sign up for the uh, houses workshop we have coming up, as well as some of the other astrology workshops and all of our monthly offerings that we do every month um, we're cooking up some fun irl things for this year yes in real life activities um, that you will all be able to uh, take part in uh, if uh, you so desire until next time this has been your transit through the spiritual game.